this internal drive toward relationships. And in fact, we have a lot of drives. When we want to get some information, we have this informational drive. When we are hungry, we walk to the kitchen because we are driven by hunger. And when we are shopping, we are clothing driven. Likewise, we engage people because we are relational driven. God created this draw toward relationships. If we were sitting down perhaps in, at Starbucks and we were kind of opening our hearts, all of us would say, I want to have a person in my life that really is interested in me, that asks questions about me, and that if they are somewhere and someone says something about me, that they will support me. They will listen to me. They will help me solve perhaps some of my problems. Our greatest need is to be loved. And probably no one in the room is overloved. But we need to experience life-giving relationships. In the Bible, we read about the Apostle John who had encountered a relationship of love. He was so moved by his experience of love that when he begins to write, whether it's the Gospel of John, the three epistles of John, or the last book of the Bible, Revelation, he constantly breaks out and spontaneously talks, not about what he had studied at a theology class, but what he had encountered and personally grasped through his relationship with Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, he begins these life-changing, life-altering truths. And this is what he wrote. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. 
and read verse 9 out loud if you would. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. John says, God is love. Actually, in the Greek, he is saying God, as to his nature, is love. Then he lays out and he says, in essence, everyone who is born of God or engages a relationship with the Lord has the love of Jesus shining into their hearts. And through that, love that comes through Christ coming in us, we not only are forgiven of sin, but we have this shining experience of Jesus where love comes into our life and we are forever radically transformed. And by that kind of inculcating his love, now we have the capacity to be able to become a person, as he says in verse 7, where we can continually pour this love from Jesus out and this inner drive now is emanating out of us and by that we we find ourselves with this experience of literally being changed by this divine heavenly love that has been imparted to us this is not a human love it's not doing good things. This is supernatural. And because of that, all of us as Christ followers have this enlargement, this, this capacity of unending, almost infinite abilities to literally be able to have and experience love love. So we have to constantly in experience understand that it is not propelled by feeling. You and me are most naturally inclined to move based on, oh, I feel love. I love you. Now, God gave his feelings, but our, our feelings are to propel the action of love. 
Sometimes the feelings come first, and sometimes in circumstances, they are silent. Now, everybody's still here. So now, out of this love that has come into our heart through Jesus, verse number eight, now we have this ability to begin to trust the Lord. Remember, trust doesn't come first. Everything comes out of that love. And we can now have a trusting relationships with, with the Father, like Psalm 37.5 says that we are to commit everything to the Lord, trust Him, and He will help you. Bata is the word, and it means in essence that we are simply to be careless, care-less, in other words, we're such a point that we're not living under a, a concern, but there's this like lightness to the trusting relationship. And remember now that the relationship of God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are our model in heaven, and then our relationship that we have with the Lord becomes a model for our relationships with each other. So I don't choose to trust as an action. I am able to trust because of the relationship with Christ. So now that relationship forms every other authentic, authentic relationship in my life. So by nature of that relationship, I begin all relationships with a sense of trust. It's a great point to say amen right there. Put the applause thing up there, please. <laughs> now, we all know new relationships. Maybe... Uh, a business partnership, it may be a dating relationship, it may be a marriage, and when we first enter into these relationships, we often have an experience which is called idealization. You meet this guy, and he's tall and handsome and, and you're a girl and you're looking at this guy and you start to see the guy. He plays basketball. It's like Stephen Curry. And he's really a cool dude. And you come home and say, Mom, I've met the most incredible guy in the world. And then you meet him again and again and in relationships, all relationships have what is called a honeymoon component. How many are quite familiar with the subject here this morning? And then you 
get to know them a little more and then maybe date them a little more. And then you get married. Okay, you know the rest of the story. And so you get married and you begin to cry. No one is expecting disaster. No one expects the relationship to go off the rail. However, as the relationship goes on, things begin to happen. And actually, when you have a healthy relationship, you kind of just flow and you don't think about anything else because you're in a healthy relationship. And when you're in a healthy relationship, you flourish rather than cry. However, things happen. You put your heart out there on the line, and then strange things happen. Things you didn't anticipate, things you didn't discuss. But before you know it, there are some areas that become toxic patterns that are destructive and some some people will live in those eternally not knowing that before anything in relationships we have to constantly protect our hearts our hearts right here not just our thinking not our emotions our hearts and if you allow a toxic, wobbly relationship to go long. After a while, you begin to believe that what is abnormal is normal and you accept it for what it is. Rather than protecting your heart, and remember, above any relationship is the protecting of your heart. Because that verse is a kicking, puts a kick in us, Proverbs 4.23, because it says, if this deal gets injured, it's going to affect every single relationship, your whole life, everything around you, so before you talk about that thing, listen to your heart. And what is your heart doing? And when you don't function in a healthy way, like you have this inner drive toward people, you begin to back up. Then people go into codependency, which means... I'm going to make you right. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So your relationship is based on making this person better. Dysfunctional. Your mind, you're not thinking right. You don't make anyone better. 
that is sick. We love. One person right here. I said we love. They clapped their hand. You love. You do your best. However, there comes a point when you see these, these aspects of non-love that you decide to draw the line of love. Not out of anger, not out of malice, not out of unforgiveness, but with a smiling hallelujah. Because you say it as surely as God is real. And you look at that person and maybe you say to them, if you won't stop drinking or using those drugs, I will take our kids and I will leave you. And you can add a smile. And maybe you have someone in your house, they used to be 18, now they're 20, getting a little older, and you have to say to them, I can't lend you any more money until you go out and get a job. John, getting quiet in here right now. <laughs> and, or maybe you say, I, I, um, I want to, you say to your son or daughter, I want to have access to your phone so I can make sure you're protected. Oh, mom, why, you know, I, mom, you can't, why you? Then, you? then you'd never get mad. I have this thing in life, stay off the defense. And you smile. Appreciate your thoughts. I want to thank you for sharing how you feel. It's important to me. Now let me say to you again, babe, <clears throat> I want to have access to your phone so I can make sure you're protected. Personally, I believe everyone in every family, parents, should have access, as I've said many times, Judy takes my phone every day. My assistants have my phone. And it's quiet in here. If you do nothing wrong, who cares? Or maybe you have to say this kind of thing. Remember, with a smiling hallelujah. Everyone, and look at a son or daughter, Johnny, everyone that lives in this house goes to church. I understand how you feel you don't want to go. I feel what you feel. I understand that you don't want to be coerced. I would never coerce you. 
And Johnny, see that door over there? <laughs> this door swings both ways. And I can't understand why parents with children have this misleading feeling if I have this, because I don't think it's a requirement. It's just like, this is the value of our house. We eat, that's a value. You can be against eating, but we eat. And we go to church. I heard the story about a couple, Carl and Jackie, and they went on for a while, and what Carl would do, he would begin to scream, be harsh, and mean. Went on for a long while. Finally, his wife, Jackie, said to him one day, said, Carl, the next time that you start acting this way, I will walk out of the room. And if you continue it, I'll walk out of the house. This went on for a period of time, and he decided to divorce her. She didn't divorce him. He divorced her. She drew the line of love with grace, forgiveness, and a hallelujah smile. And I don't know what kind of line you need to draw. Don't be mean and don't scream. In fact, when things get more tense, I've always had an attitude of talk softer. You know, it gets quiet when you talk softer because people think you're going to scream and you have more impact when they can hardly hear you. What'd you say? <laughs> I like this one statement that Dr. John Townsend, he says, don't let another person's relational terrorism threats prohibit you from doing what is right. And most of the time, we can't do that by ourselves because we're not strong enough and our perception is skewed. And most of the time, we have to have people around us that will come and help us begin to think non-toxic relationships because our mind is confused. And he says in verse number seven, he says, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Let the line of love be that pouring in your life so that you can have and I can have loving, healthy, Christ-oriented relationships is everybody still here? Notice what he says in verse 10. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take our sins. Delightfully, loved ones, 
if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of love. And what I really sincerely believe that the great awakening that we are in, the great awakening that we have been talking about, obviously will be this moving of the Holy Spirit. But I believe what will happen is we will begin to understand what this apostle John is really writing about and that we will begin to be more and more a family that has life-giving, healthy relationships and that as a people, we will have this community that begins to form in an awesome, magnificent way where we are gathering together and we are experiencing personally this love because John, John didn't read this in a theology book. He didn't have somebody like tutor him and say, let's go through that like learning calculus. Uh, he didn't have a book that he, he learned this from, but he, he encountered Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus, he encountered the love of God the Father through Jesus. And so this is, this is the, he didn't read about this. He, uh, someone didn't tell him about this. Someone didn't just say, nah, 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 these are the steps you need to take. You need to do this. Don't, 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 don't say that about John. John. John didn't read about this. John had a personal encounter with Jesus. And when he had an encounter with Jesus, he somehow had this love that began to pour into his life. And it was so powerful and so magnificent that it begins to change him and it becomes almost like a volcanic thing happening inside of him. And he said, you, you, this ex, you, gotta, you gotta experience this love. It's not that God loves only, it's, it's, it's his nature to love. It's, it's, it's who he is. And then he says, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be loved and keep it. You, you, you can't do that. You have to let this love come out of you. And imagine, I want you to imagine with me and go on a, on a trip with me. Imagine this family here in a great awakening, not a crowd. Because a lot of those revivals we read about, they were crowds and it all ended, didn't it? Because it was about a meeting, one meeting, big crowd. That's not what we're doing around here. Because God has said, no, what you're going to be, what we're moving towards there's community everywhere, people that are gathering together, and we are experiencing the love of Jesus, and we're a part of community, and we're learning how to love each other. Love is something you learn by experience. It's one thing to have it, it's another thing to learn how to love people. And when we begin to come together and rather than us being a crowd, we're, we're in community, every single person, and we cranked up this deal called God First. What is that thing? It's not a program. It's not, we're not trying to get everybody, go to work, go to work, go to work, do something. Hopefully we'll do something. It is a place of us coming together to find out 
Who are our people? Where do I connect? How I've come to this family. People change churches, in my experience, every three years. Three years. And most of the time it is, I, I either had a conflict, somebody was mean to me in the nursery, I'm never going back to that church again, or I couldn't connect with anybody. Like nobody would talk to me in the whole church. What would happen if we decided I'm in a church, people are going to hurt me. People are not going to be nice sometimes. But most of the people are nice most of the time. And so I'm going to love and I'm planted here. I'm going to raise my children here. And they're going to raise their children here. And we're going to be here no matter. Somebody is nice. Somebody's not nice. We're still going to love them. You're still here. And we're going to be a part of community. I'm be a part of community. Over at the mix. So here they are. They're gathering together. Our kids. And they're having small groups. They're gathering together. Now, Pastor PJ, he's now beginning to start these groups all over the city with the young people. The avenue. I don't know how many they have. How many groups you have? I don't know. Ten groups. And we got some people here from the avenue, I think. Okay. And so now they have groups all over the city. Here's William Strawcutter and Angelica, and they open their house, and they're, they're meeting together, and they're having a community, and you can see they're building together. Something is happening relationally. They're growing together, loving each other. Half of America is single. And we haven't had a huge ministry for those that are single. And now we're probably half of our church are single in this congregation. So we started a 30s ministry. We have a few together. We have probably have 300. Most of the people are not involved relationally. They're out there somewhere and they're out there somewhere. And that's not a church. That's not a church. You didn't come here till Jesus comes. That's not a church. A church is where the church is meeting together and they are in relationships. <laughs> Linda Trimble has the 40s and 50s and they're gathering together and they're having meetings together. She has a group every Sunday night. Not too long ago, we met our pastors and wives. We were in our house. We were hanging around. Somehow the women went into the kitchen. Men went into the dining room. We talked, hung out, ate good food, had a wonderful time. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. Imagine now. Imagine all of those groups. Imagine these house churches all over the city. Imagine a house church in every community. Imagine having groups in every university, college, campus in Orlando, over 200,000. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the formation beyond what you can imagine? Dream with me for a moment. Begin to see what God anticipated when he established his kingdom on the earth. He established it to be huge. He established it that it would shake the nations of the world. He established it not by starting big, but by starting small. 
Imagine everywhere, gathering together, every person, opening your home, opening your apartment, opening your business. Craig Townsend has a business uh, meeting on Tuesday mornings. Imagine meetings every single way, place all over. I anticipate groups all through the week in the church, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And now, now you are together. Now you are loving each other. But now you wake up one meeting and you decide, we have been called here to change the world. And you begin now, every single community has a vision. They have a vision to go. And so every group now says, we're gonna to go to the mission field. And we have hundreds of groups. Every group is going together. This group is going to China. This group is going to Guatemala. That group is going to Europe. And after a while, you begin to see things differently. And what happens, no one ever graduates from high school in our church unless they have been on the mission field. Because if you're not on the mission field, you're skewed in your thinking. You're small in your thinking. You can't see it. Judy and I will go again in October and we'll fly over to Korea and be a part of something great, a conference there. 60 different nations I spoke to last year. You begin to see it differently. Jackie and Avanji both went overseas before graduation. And imagine, imagine every single group. One group wants to save lives, so they want to end abortion, and so they're working at Choices. Another group, they're over at the Christian Service Center. Someone else is working in the, in the homeless ministry. Someone has the hospital ministry. Another group, they're going out when people are sick and they're taking them food and taking care of them. No one has a baby without having food. No one is sick in their house unless we go there. No group is meeting simply to love each other, to love each other, to love each other, to love each other, to love each other. Because ladies and gentlemen, the word is go. Not, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I believe for 50,000 people, I believe our church is like a Sunday school class right now because when I read the Bible, the Bible says that these guys in that early church turned the world, not the church, they turned the world upside down. Now, if you're sitting here and you have a boring life and you're waiting to die... What a miserable existence you have. You get up, you got no purpose, and you're not going anywhere because you're old. And I find people are old at 30, 40, and 50. You're just downright old, and old is right in your brain, right here. And it's time... You get out of your old, and you get out, and you start to kick, and get some with people who are kicking, because you want to be bored, get with the board club. But I tell you, God's got a lot of stuff, and he wants to use you until the last day, and somebody says, hey, he died. He was serving over the Christian Service Center. He was 105, and he, he just died. 
People say, well, I'm slowing down. Now, what are you slowing down for? What are you slowing down for? Well, we're slowing down now. I say Christ is coming. I say, let's run. Hallelujah. I prophesy over this congregation. Pastor Mark, I prophesy over the avenue right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that this small congregation, this congregation that is meeting here today, I prophesy over you in the name of Jesus. I prophesy that wherever there is a small group in this church, you will not stay small. You will send out people and you will begin another group. You will be a part of a revolution. I declare prophetically a doubling of this church. I declare a doubling in every ministry in this church. I declare a doubling of our finances. I declare a doubling of our mission trips. Our mission trips are small. We take a few trips. I'm not satisfied, and neither is God, with a number of trips that we take in this church. I'm glad for everybody that has been on the mission field. I'm not happy when I see us just going along and never getting out of the nation. Go somewhere in the country. Go to Colorado. Go to the Dream Center. Do something. Raise money. Write letters. Somebody will give you the money. Let's shake this congregation up. 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 The Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says that everyone will know this. It says in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They won't know us because we have a big campus. They won't know us because we have a good, a good building here. Bible says they're not going to know us because, hey, these guys are good at music. Hey, they know it because we, we preach good sermons around here. Didn't say that you'll know them because Jesus was a good teacher. They won't say, man, these lights are cool. Man, look at this. That's not how they know us. Me doing this, that's not how they know us. But I'll tell you, when I love my wife, and this girl loves me, and I love her, and we really love each other, and you love, and I, we love our kids, and Jonathan. <laughs> we love our kids, and we love our family. We were on a retreat or a reunion in Virginia for three or four days with her family. It was about loving each other. So you had this love raging in your, in your marriage and in your, in your family. And then you decide to export what you have. And you come into this church. And we come in here. It's about each other. It's about us hugging each other. It's about us looking at somebody in the eyes before we leave here. It's about going in the bathroom and somebody's washing their hands next to you and you, you're washing your hands and say, hey, how you doing? My name is John. You almost got that. Anyway, <laughs> after the service, thank you, a little slow here. And 
after the service, we can't, we can't close the place down because people are meeting and, and you're in here having good coffee and you're sitting around and you're looking for people who have no one. I look for somebody, they're standing on the sidelines, they're by themselves. I went between the service, this guy came in, he had this look like this. I said, sir, can I help you? Do you know where you're going? He said, no, he had all these kids. I said, can I help you? Took him over to Victor. No, John, 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 what are you saying? John, what are you saying? You're talking in the epistle. Now you're in the book of John, and you said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciple. You gotta love me more than you do, and I have to love you more than I do, and that means I gotta listen. What are you saying? What are you going through? What's happening in your life? If things aren't right, Get into illuminate with dawn. If things are right, find somebody that's healthy, a small group leaders, call the church. If you're experiencing domestic violence in your house, talk to me before you leave. Dial the violence line. Get the police in there immediately. Don't you allow anybody to domestically violate you. Don't you let a guy hit you. Call me, text my number. I'll come after him in the name of Jesus. I'll come after him. I'll come after him. I'll tell you one thing I have. I watch out for women and girls. I watch out for them. And under my watch, no girl, or God, no girl or woman is going to be violated. I watch, when we have our prayer meetings here, I said, okay, watch on this staff, all you guys. Watch out for all the girls that work here. Guys, we are the protectors. Don't touch that girl. Don't touch that girl. We are the church, ladies and gentlemen. Somehow, we missed the point when Jesus said, I'll build the church. Stop. That almost sounds like he's building it. Listen. He builds the church through us. We are his builders with him. I don't know how many years we have in, on the earth. Violence rises. Washington is a place of horrid evil. But we will be the church. Hallelujah. We will stand and we will fight and we will fight for what is right. And no person can stop us. No person can slow us down. And if you're called to this church, you better not let any person drive you out of this church. It shows your immaturity. You fight right here if you're called. Getting off my notes here. I don't want 
to be a part of anything normal, and I don't want to be a part of an organized church that's structured and nice but doesn't impact a city. Got 5,000 people around here moving to 50,000. I'm going to ask you to open your house, open your apartment, get your relationships right, draw the line of faith and love. Up the love in your community. You're a leader of all these community places. Give a vision to do something. Don't you meet every week until Christ comes. You get out. Have a mission. Have a mission. I don't know what day Christ is coming, but the Bible says we are to anticipate daily his coming. And I don't want to be in heaven and Jesus say, or somebody say, why didn't you, Alex, didn't you know Jesus was coming? Why didn't you preach harder? Okay, I'm done. Don't read these verses. Don't read these verses only. Reading these verses doesn't change anything unless you experience them. I want you to remember the rest of your life these four or five verses in 1 John chapter 4. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to go after relationships. Get your marriages together and fight. Stop giving in. I'm not giving in for my family and this family. I want to be a part of the greatest revival in the history of the Christian faith. I commission you to kick spiritually. For you that are bored and dead, I'll see you in the room in the back. I'll give you something to do. Everybody should be doing something for Christ and you're just living in your house. You've got the most boring life. Austin's been trying to start a song here for 20 minutes. I want us to stand. No one leave. I want us to stand right now, everybody. I want, look at me. No one leave. I want us to sing. Is this, we're fighting? Okay, whatever you're doing, do it. What we did in the last service. Come on, lift your hands. Sing this now.
know, every, every meeting that we have, we always talk about Christ. We built this building in 2009, we had a cross. It reminds us that Christ is the center of our family here and that also Christ died on the cross for our sins and our sicknesses. All of us have gone the wrong way and we've done the wrong thing. And there's not one person anywhere that has not needed a savior because we have to be saved from ourselves. And Jesus on that cross made it possible for all of us to have forgiveness, to experience a love that is beyond a human love and something that is about not just our thoughts or emotion, but it's about our hearts. It's about experiencing this powerful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ where we don't get what we deserve and God just sovereignly comes and says, hey, you come. I understand what you did. I paid for it on the cross and I'll pardon you. There are hundreds of people here this morning that have been pardoned. They had a sentence, but God says, you're pardoned. And it started with Jesus, and then we respond to what Jesus did. We don't initiate anything. He's the initiator. And he says to us, if you'll come, I'll forgive you. Just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and you say, well, I'm here, and I, I really, my heart, someone, I think the last week, who was an atheist, and didn't believe in God, she said, you were just like talking about Jesus and I don't know what happened to me, I just started to cry. Because Jesus goes beyond the containment of our thoughts. And she said, I just started to cry and we had an atheist walk the aisle here toward Christ. And she met Jesus. Met Jesus. Maybe at one time you knew Christ and just you've been going downhill and you're kind of in darkness. So that's when you need to put up your hand and say, you need to get back where I was. Don't let guilt, condemnation, and shame keep you from your destiny. When I count to three, if that's you, you may be a child, you may be a student, you may be a college person, you may be married, you may be single, you may be confused, you may be an atheist, but Jesus will touch your heart. When I count to three and just throw up a hand, one, two, three, put your hand up right now. Yes, I see that hand, I see that hand, put it up, put it up, up in the balcony, put it up, put it up, put it up, yeah, put it up. Yes, over there. Put it up right now. Put it up right now. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask those that raised your hand to walk down this aisle and stand here. We're gonna have a prayer. If you didn't raise your hand, come down here and say bye-bye to the devil. 
and yes to Jesus. You come right now, wherever you are. In the balcony, come all the way down. Hit it, hit it. Yes, come. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you for coming. If you didn't come, pray this prayer. Pastor Dave will take you to the side. We'll give you a Bible for a moment. If you didn't come, just pray this prayer. Those that are watching online around the world or down the street, you pray this prayer. Let's say it loudly. Jesus, Jesus I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Give me your grace, the gift of righteousness, and eternal life. You prayed that prayer. You're in the family of God. God bless you.